You are now entering the mind of one of rock's greatest musicians, a former singer of Styx. The exclusive podcast, Come Sail Away, with Dennis D. Young. Hey kids, how you doing? Dennis DeYoung here today. You know, the last couple of weeks, I have been talking to you about musical genres because I made the bold statement that, you know, I have very wide tastes in music, and that was reflected, I think, in many ways with the Styx catalog. And, you know, I can generally find something I like in everything, and then I wanted to disprove that immediately by saying, you know, I couldn't find much in death metal that I actually liked, and that kind of stuff. But then, you know, I talked about punk. I don't know why. I went to the extremes. But I did say, you know, I kind of like The Clash. And you can go back and listen to those and see exactly what I'm talking about if you didn't hear them. But I forgot one really important story about The Clash, my favorite story. You know, the whole punk movement that began really in England as a social movement against the um, the unemployment rates and the lack of opportunity for, opportunities for young people. This is what was fueling most of that. Um, well, it was all about, you know, railing against the man, the establishment, the people in power, the people who have money. This is an age-old story that continually repeats itself, but this is the one that it was going on in 1977, 78, during that period. And, you know, it was kind of like a, um, a, a protest against accumulation, wealth, and all, the, all those things, you know, being a materialistic society. But the funniest part about I found this is that at this particular time, I want to say it was like in 1980-81, we were in Los Angeles playing some, some shows at the Forum, sold out because we were, we were hotsy-totsy back then. And um, we were staying at a place called the Westwood Marquee where a lot of bands stayed in Westwood. A really nice hotel. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, not for the faint of heart. The, it was a little bit pricey. And we were coming back from a sound check. And we, we come into the lobby, realize there must be another rock band here because we see, you, can, you, know, you can smell them a mile away, not literally, but there they are. But this rock band looked a little different. They didn't look like us, the typical late 70s, 80s, early, you know, early 80s rock bands with all the long hair. These guys had very short hair. And, you know, with their motorcycle jackets and their look of kind of like a 50s look, only with, uh, like I just say, with bobby pins and, and uh, piercings and stuff. And sure enough, I look over, well, there's, uh, it's the Clash. Yeah, they're checking in with their road crew. And I thought to myself, you know what? Here's the part that I never get. Where the early rock stars, like I've said before, they weren't railing against the man in the establishment. They wanted to be the man. They wanted part of that. They wanted part of the American dream. They wanted in on the good life. That's what they were doing. And in, in many ways, that's what, uh, you know, most of us were doing. We figured, hey, music is a good way not only to express yourself, but to better your way of life. You know, get a better class of vegetables, maybe. Nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, that's capitalism. That's America. That's, that's, that's what this place is all about. And yet, there the class were staying uh, in the same hotel we were, a pretty ritzy place. And I thought, well, it, it's good to rail against the man, and then suddenly you are the man. Anyway, let me move on from that. Uh, I hope you're enjoying that 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 discussion of these musical genres. We'll probably get back to that in the future. But today I want to talk, take a little time to talk about concept albums briefly, or thematic albums, which Styx was um, in some in some ways noted for. And they are in in order of chronological appearance: the Grand Illusion album, 
uh, Pieces of Eight, the uh, Paradise Theater, and Kilroy was here. Now, what all these concepts have in common is that they came from me. Um, I had an idea, and I used to say to the guys, what do you think of this idea as sort of a loosely based theme of what we could write about on this record? No pressure, didn't have to conform. In fact, uh, uh, you could look at uh, all these albums and find songs on there that that have nothing whatsoever to do with the theme or the concept, could even stretch your imaginations to make them fit. But I, I said, if we're looking you know, for, for subject, it's almost like being a teacher and say, class, today write a, write a paragraph on your favorite summer vacation uh, thing you did. So I would say, how about the Grand Illusion and tell them what it was and what it meant to me. And then uh, they would go off and either comply or not comply. It was no, um, you know, it, it wasn't mandatory. It was just a suggestion. And we made some pretty nice albums doing that. But today I wanted to talk about briefly the Pieces of Eight album because I've talked an awful lot about The Grand Delusion, and I've probably mentioned The Pieces of Eight, but I want to give you some background as to where that, you know, what was the, what was the germ of the idea for The Pieces of Eight album? Where does, that, where does that spring from? Well, obviously it springs from the song itself, Pieces of Eight. And here's what happened. You know, I grew up in a working-class neighborhood, as all the guys in the band did, and our fathers all worked in blue, real blue-collar jobs, whether, like my father, a pressman, or the Pinellas, Penalza brother's father uh, worked at United States Steel in Gary, Indiana. And um, so that's how we were raised. Didn't have a lot of money. Didn't know it, though, because we lived among people who were all pretty much the same economic strata. You know, we were all in the same boat. No, no, no real complaints. So what happens was, in 1977, after some very slow progress in being successful, not only in terms of recognition, but in terms of earning power, in terms of money. Um, it started really with Lady, when Lady was a hit, and then it continued. We made a little bit more money individually in um, Equinox and Crystal Ball. And then came the Grand Delusion, and kaboom, the, the thing exploded. We went for, from selling 350000 to selling $3.5 million in 12 months' time. And then suddenly you started to see the royalty statements in your individual income, what they were sending you checks for. You know, you, you know, like when you see the wolf in the cartoons and, and the eyes go, boy, oh, 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 they stick out. Well, th- that's what happened to us. We were going, what the heck? I, can't, I couldn't believe it. Could not believe some of the checks. And there was all this money. And obviously we had visibility and success separate and apart from the money. Well, how did that affect me personally. Well, it affected me really in a very strange, surprising, and I might say negative way. Not that the money wasn't great. Not that it wasn't a good way, you know, to really provide um, insurance for your family that, you know, if things go wrong, we can dig ourselves out of here, which is really the best use of money is, as I've said before, is to protect you against your own stupidity. So here's all this money. And what happened with my friends and my family? Well, I can't say that they were unhappy for me. Not really. You know how friends and family are. They want you to be, um, they, I don't know if they really don't want you to be successful. Everyone has this thing called Schadenfreude. Yeah, anyway, look it up. It's a German word. It means, you know, not only must uh, you be successful, but your, your friends must not do well. I don't really have that in me. I just don't. It's not part. I have other problems, but not that one. But you know what? Um, 
I felt a little of that from my very close friends, much to my, you know, much to my surprise, and even from my 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 family. And I think it was I think I've talked about this before. It was the fear of being left behind. That suddenly I was no longer one of them, couldn't understand their problems and their life. And when I was, you know, there's a comfort there's a comfort zone there where we're all in this boat, and we all know we got to paddle the same way. And then suddenly I'm on the come come sail away boat. Sailing way up, you know, what am I, with the angels? What am I, with the space alien? I don't know. Am I on the Starship Enterprise? And that's, that was their fear. So I began to look at the money in, in, in actually kind of a negative way, believe it or not. I said, hey, you know, look over here. I haven't changed. Really, I haven't. I'm happy to have this, but, you know, on the other hand, now I'm confused. What do I do with this money? I don't know. It's like what happens to lotto winners, you know? Their life changes in ways that they couldn't, they couldn't possibly imagine. It's impossible to imagine it. So I started having dreams where there would be, I'd wake up and surrounding me, I'd have, you know, the green hefty bags, the big ones that you rake your leaves into. Um, I'd have the bags surrounding me. They're all, all filled with, uh, with, with tens and twenties and dollar bills, just filled up with money. And I thought to myself, what what does that mean? And I I finally you know figured out after you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of therapy, <laughs> just kidding, um, that I was equating money with garbage. Boy, our brains are weird, aren't they? Yeah. And I started to think, well, okay. So I I I said to the guys, I had this idea for our album calling Pieces of Eight, which we all know is you know I think you know gold doubloons and pieces of eight. These are former uh, ways of having uh, a currency when things, um, hard currency. So it's a song, I thought I'd write a song about how I felt about money, and so I, I wrote the lyric that goes something like this, go, no, it goes exactly like this, where the character is kind of reevaluating um, what, what is this thing about success and money that we chase, a theme that was, you know, talked about in The Grand Delusion as well. So the lyric goes, at six o'clock, good morning sounds are everywhere. The warmth of spring, a gentle breeze blows through my hair. I hurry through my life, never stopping to see how beautiful it was meant to be. And this is all about the, the, the typical guy or gal that's walking around and, you know, um, on the train, on the ambition train, you know, trying to get someplace because once we get there, things will be better, whatever that means to you. Who knows? And then he says, but I'm just a prisoner in a king's disguise, broken dreams as we shuffle by. Well, what does that mean? I'm a prisoner in a king's disguise. I think I meant literally, when you look at me from the outside, friends, family, fans, I, I, I've, take, I've taken on the role of, 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 of rock royalty by the virtue of me writing some songs people liked. But I'm not royalty. I'm still the same sh- you know, Schlemiel that uh, played the accordion on the south side of Chicago. You know, it's the grand illusion, and here I am. And broken dreams as we shuffle by? Simply put, if your dreams come true, you're going to look around and say, wait, wait a minute, how come I don't feel different? I thought if I reached this, this pinnacle of success that I would feel differently, and I don't. So next verse, it's 6 o'clock, it's quitting time, I'm done for the day. Out on the streets, I overheard a lady say, we now have everything, or so people say, but now this emptiness haunts me every day. We seek the lion's share, never knowing why. Come alive, spread your wings, and fly. Well, what I'm saying is, 
whatever emptiness that drove you to be ambitious, to, 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 to realize a dream, if you should uh, realize it, you may still have that emptiness because uh, success can't really fill it. It's some, something else. And the chorus goes, pieces of eight, the search for the money tree. Don't cash your freedoms in for gold. Pieces of eight can't buy you everything. Don't let it turn your heart to stone. That's, you know, that, that's pretty boilerplate um, feelings for, for, for centuries about how people have come to understand what money can buy and what it can't do. So that's Pieces of Eight. So I, I told it to the guys, and Jay, Jay White came up, and, and he wrote um, The Great White Hope. Check those lyrics out. That's what he wrote. Uh, and Tommy wrote Blue Collar Man. Fantastic. And, uh, and then um, the other song that, that I wrote, I, I actually wrote two other songs. One, one of them is called um, I'm Okay. And uh, the other one is called um, Lords of the Ring. Yes, Lords of the Ring. And, and that song is, um, well, people have misinterpreted it because there is, of course, Lord of the Rings, which is the most popular use of the phrase. I actually just turned it into Lords of the Ring. And it had nothing to do with Tolkien, nothing whatsoever. I tried reading those books. I just couldn't get into them. There's not, it's not for me. You know, I'm looking at maps in the front of the book and say, upper kingdom, lower kingdom, who is this? What does that thing mean? That's too much. You know, it's like a board game. I'm not, I'm not ready for it. So I, I, I just came up with this idea. Who are the Lords of the Ring? In, 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 in show business at that time, uh, to be a rock star was almost better than being a movie star. I'm not kidding you. It were, I mean, they were so exalted, uh, and their fan base were so, you know, so wildly enthusiastic. That would be you guys I'm talking about. Uh, so you guys put us on pedestals, uh, essentially, so you could look up our skirts. No, sorry, I had to do that joke. But there we were. So I, I equated us with Lords of the Ring, and the ring being the golden ring that we all, not all of us, but most of us chase, which is success at what we think and feel about it. So not Tolkien. Nope. All hail to the Lords of the Ring, to the magic and mystery they bring, to the music in their story. I'm talking about musicians. All hail to the Lords of the Ring, to the magic and mystery they bring, to the lands of ancient glory. In the year of the Lords, I meant this year, like in the year of the Lord, the message came from above, which references the, the music that comes before this a thing called the message. The heavens opened with their mighty sound that shook the people in the town. This is just referring to, here comes the rock band to town with the mighty sound and shook those people at the arena. Look at, they're all lining up with their T-shirts, right? And their bics and they're, they're flicking their bics. And there we were. And so we came from everywhere, the young and old, the rich and poor, to hear the legend of the magic ring and of the powers it could bring. And they would sing, all hail to the lords of the ring, to the magic and mystery they bring, to the music in their story, all hail to the lords of the ring, to the magic and mystery it brings, may we someday wear its glory. Uh, and the last verse goes, and now, and now the message is clear. Okay, I'm telling you now. Now the message is clear. If 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 I was if I was if I was obscuring it too much before, here it is. And now the message is clear. For I became a lord this year, and though the legend was pure fantasy, we still need the hope it brings. So let's sing. So I'm I'm admitting, I became one of these cats, 
and the legend of me and the lords and the mythology and the grand illusion, that was, it was fantasy made up in our minds and in you, the fans' minds, as who we are and what we do. An awful lot of, shall we say, way too many accolades are placed on musicians. But, you know, that's the way it is. Uh, and so we say, all hail to the Lords of the Ring. To believe, to believe is a wondrous thing. That doesn't mean it's going to be true. May we always sing their glory, all hail to the Lords of the Ring, to the magic, magic and mystery they bring, to the promise of their story. Which goes, you know, to that old, there's that old joke that Woody Allen used to tell about, you know, he had an uncle that um, believed he was a chicken, and the people, they tried to get him help, and then they decided not to. And Woody Allen says, well, why, why didn't you really give him help? Because they said, we need the eggs. Which is another way of saying the mythology and the dream and, and the promise of, uh, of the fantasy is what drives human beings and keeps them going and challenging and maybe, maybe on, on the off chance that they might create and do something special by believing in the possibilities of the dream. Anyway, this is a, a kind of a brief rundown for you today, although this is longer than normal, of um, Pieces of Eight and a couple songs. I hope you've enjoyed it and sincerely hope that the universe is spinning in your direction. Enlightening? Perhaps. Entertaining? Always. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Come Sail Away, with Dennis DeYoung. Get the next new episode Friday morning at 7 a.m. on this website.